Thank you for listening to the East Bay Bible Fellowship Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. For more information and service times, visit us on our website at www.ebbfellowship.com. Thank you and God bless. Time to go into it all, but there's a ton of exciting things happening. God is still adding to the church and there's going to be more people coming and there's already people uh, asking when they can come. Uh, so we, we got a lot of good things going on. So don't kid yourself. Uh, the devil's fighting, but he's losing. Praise God. All right. Second Samuel chapter six. And we're going to begin reading at verse number one. Amen. Second Samuel chapter six. And we're going to begin reading at verse number one. Praise God. Second Samuel six. In verse number one, everybody say amen when they have it. The Bible says, again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal to Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave or drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord. On all manner of instruments made of firwood, even on harps and on psalteries and on trimbles and on cornets and cymbals. And when they came to Nahon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach or he had broken forth on Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? And I want to preach to you today on this subject, the why and the how of apostolic worship. The why and the how of apostolic worship. Lord, we give you thanks for this moment in time that you've created. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me now to preach your word and to do so with passion and with fervor. God, I pray that you would open up my heart and my mouth that I may speak with understanding. Lord, I pray that you would bless your people. They are a wonderful people. I pray that your word would go forth uninhibited, God, without any obstruction, and that it would land on the heart of every hearer at home. In Jesus' name we pray, and someone shout amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Before we get into our, the meat of today's message, I want to explain to you very quickly, for those of you that may not know, what the Ark of the Covenant is. The word Ark in Hebrew is teva. It literally means box. And the Ark of the Covenant was a box that had been made 
under the inspiration and the guidance of God and the children of Israel. The ark was kept inside what is known as the tabernacle, which was the center or the hub of all spiritual activity for the Israelites. For sake of time, the tabernacle was a tent. And inside of this tent, there were two rooms. And one room in particular was called the Holy of Holies. And that is where the Ark of the Covenant would be. The Ark of the Covenant was made of wood. It was covered in gold. And on the top of it, there were two angels. The tabernacle acted as a drop pin for the glory and the presence of God. Wherever the, tab- wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, amen, that is, where the God, is, that is where God's presence would manifest itself. God's presence would descend on the location of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark was taken away one day by the Philistines some 400 years after Moses had made it. The Israelites... Uh, were constantly being targeted by their enemies. And on this particular occasion, the Philistines knew how much the Ark of the Covenant meant to the Israelites. And so after uh, giving them a good whooping, they decided that they would add insult to injury and they would take hostage the Ark of the Covenant. They put it in the house of their god, Dagon, and they just added it to their repertoire of deities. Uh, Shortly thereafter, God began to plague the entire land of the Philistines. And not too long thereafter, they realized that the problem was they had not just messed with Israel, they had messed with God. And it was now going to cost them dearly. Amen. And so they decided that it would be a good idea to give this Ark of the Covenant back to the Israelites. And so they put it on a cart and they put it, uh, they hitched the cart to some cows And they told the cows to go. And uh, supernaturally, the cows knew which direction to head in. And they headed back towards, amen, Israel. And when they arrived there in Israel, the Israelites took the ark and they placed it in the house of a man named Abinadab. The ark would remain in his house for some 70 years with just Abinadab and his two sons, Uzzah and Ahio. David, amen, after these 70 years, uh, David considered the ark to be the highest priority. He knew that it had to be brought back out of obscurity and into Jerusalem and more importantly into prominence. David wanted Israel to feel, everyone say feel. David wanted Israel to feel the presence and the glory of God. So David decided that he would go and get it from the house of Abinadab. David felt, everyone say felt. David felt that it was important that the ark receive the best treatment possible. So he made a shiny new cart for it. Amen. David felt, everyone say felt. David felt that it was important that the ark be carried by Ahio and by Uzzah who were the sons of Abinadab. Ahio's name means friendly, and Uzzah means strong. In other words, David felt, I need to get a friendly guy and a strong guy to carry this ark. 
David felt, everyone say felt. David felt that it was important that the ark be engulfed and surrounded, amen, by the best music that Israel could provide. All this and still the unthinkable happened. The ox that was pulling the cart that David had made for the ark tipped. And when it did, amen, Uzzah, the strong guy, thought, I can hold this thing up. And so he reached his hand out and he pushed it back. Amen. And when he did, amen, the Bible says that the Lord broke forth on Uzzah and it struck him dead. David was crushed. David was angry. David was upset. David was embarrassed. David was disoriented. But what David was not was ignorant. David knew exactly what he had done wrong. From beginning to end, David knew where he had misstepped. David felt, everyone say felt. David felt that the ark needed a cart. But David knew that it was supposed to be carried, amen, and not carted. It was written in God's word. It was David himself that wrote in Psalms 119 and 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. Don't kid yourself. David knew from the very beginning that this thing was not to be put in carts. It was only to be carried on the shoulders of God's priest. David felt that it would be a good, that it would be good for friendly to get in front of the ark and for strong man to drive the cart. Amen. But David knew that, amen, personality and capability had nothing to do with who got to carry the ark. God had commanded that only the priests handle the ark. Uzzah, amen, and his brother Ahio, amen, were not priests of God. They had no right to touch the ark. They had no right to uh, carry the ark. That was only the job of the priests. And David knew this. Numbers 7 and 9, speaking of the priest and of the ark, the scripture says that the service of the sanctuary belongs to them and they should bear it upon their shoulders. And I don't have time to preach about all of this today, but let me just tell you something. God wants to walk with us. Praise God. God doesn't need to be carted around. God wants to be walked with. Hallelujah. Amen. Adam walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. Elijah and Elisha walked with God. And nothing's changed. God wants us to walk with him. Hallelujah. There's a lot of people that don't want to walk with God, but I'm telling you right now, God's looking to take a stroll. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. David knew that this ark was not to be put in carts. He knew it was to be carried on the shoulders of the priest. It was David himself that wrote in Psalms 133 and 1. Amen. A song of degrees of David. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I want you to listen to me good. David says it is like the precious ointment or oil. Amen. Upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. What does this mean? David says that the anointing of God, amen, goes from the head to the feet. And that is talking about order. 
and authority. Amen. And I just want you to know, if you've never heard this preached, this is a good time to hear it for the first time. Praise God. Amen. The things of God flow in a certain order. Praise God. They start at the head and they make their, and they make their way down. It is a vertical order that must be followed at all times. People make the mistake of thinking that you can just approach God, his presence and his word any old way you want to. I'm telling you, that's not the way it's done. Praise God. There has to be order. Amen. Hallelujah. In the presence of God. Hallelujah. And you don't just bypass and circumvent the order of God. Amen. Aaron knew. Amen. That the oil, the anointing, the power and the glory of God. Amen. Flows in a order. Hallelujah. It starts at the top and it makes its way down to the bottom. David felt that the ark needed to be engulfed by great music and excitement. But David knew that singing and playing had to be done in the key of obedience. It was David that wrote in Psalms 47 and 7, For God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. When it was all said and done, Amen. The tragic events of this day teach us all a valuable lesson about apostolic worship. Apostolic worship is not about my feelings. It's about how God feels about my worship. A lot of times when we think about worship, we think about how it makes us feel. But we don't think about how it makes God feel. We think about the feelings it gives us, not about the feelings it gives God. Amen. Worship is not about how I feel. Worship is about how God feels about my worship. Amen. Worship, amen, is how God feels when I lift my voice. How does God feel when I clap? Amen. My singing, my dancing, my praising, my giving, my church attendance, my devotion, my prayers, my reading of scripture. All must be done with a dedication to obeying God's word. I'm just telling you right now. Thank God for our musicians. You guys did awesome today. But I'm telling you right now. Nobody can outsing. Amen. A godly Musician, praise God, because it's not about talent at the end of the day. It's about obedience, praise God. But when you get obedience and talent put together, that's when you make, amen, a beautiful sound unto the Lord. Praise God. And I thank God for apostolics, amen, that aren't afraid to get in the Holy Ghost and dance and praise and lift their hands. Amen. But I don't think anything grieves God more, amen, than somebody who dances, praises, and then goes home and punches holes in the wall. Praise God. I'm still preaching good right now. Hallelujah. Amen. There has to be something in our heart that says, I'm going to obey God. Hallelujah. I thank God for prayerful people. And I pray that this week and in the weeks to come, we're able to fill this house with prayer. But after we're done praying, let's not go home and yell at our kids. After we're done praying, let's not go home and kick the dog. Praise God. After we're done praying, amen, let's live right. Hallelujah. Let's not just jump high. Let's walk straight. Hallelujah. Let's not just sing loud. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's speak words of edification. Let's not just dance. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's obey the word. Hallelujah. Let's not just talk. Let's not just amen the preaching. Let's obey the preaching. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Come on. Let's give the Lord a great hand clap of praise right now. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want our church to be careful. We don't worship worship. I said we don't worship worship. Amen. Hallelujah. A lot of folks have their own ideas about what is supposed to happen in every service. A lot of people have their own ideas about how every service is supposed to make them 
feel. And if you're not careful, and I'll talk about this as I get towards the end of my sermon. Amen. But if we're not careful, we'll become cynical and critical of the church and of the environment that God, that God is producing. Somebody say amen. Amen. Despite all that went wrong on that day, David didn't give up. And neither should you. I said, and neither should you. There'll be days when you realize you've been, you've been praising God wrong. You, there'll, there'll be days God will read your mail. He'll tell you to put your hands down and quit dancing. And go tell your wife you're sorry. Praise God. It's getting quiet. Hallelujah. It's getting quiet at home on the internet. Praise God. I can hear crickets coming through. Praise God. The Wi-Fi. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. There'll be times God will tell you to get up off your knees. And, and, and think about what you just said to your son and your daughter. Still, it's getting quiet. There'll be times God will tell you, amen, to put down the microphone. Praise God. And think about how you spoke, amen, to so-and-so. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's right. But that's not a reason to give up. God doesn't, God doesn't convict us to condemn us. God convicts us so that we might get our praise in order. So that we might get that anointing flowing, amen, vertically from top to bottom, amen, so that we can be a real light and a real witness, hallelujah, so that we can really enjoy his presence and his glory, amen. David decided that he would try a second time to bring the ark into Jerusalem. This time he operated under strict obedience to God's word. He operated under passion for God's presence and a patience for human frailty. On the second time around, the parade wasn't as pretty to the human eye, but it was glorious in the eyes of God. David found a Levite by the name of Obed-Edom. Amen. And he put the ark inside of this man's house. I want you to notice that initially at the beginning of our text, the scripture said that when David wanted the ark, he just went and got it. He just acted forcibly and he just went and got it. Let me tell you something about the ark of God and the presence and the glory of God. You don't just go and get it. it. That's just not the way it works. Praise God. It comes to you. Hallelujah. Now, I know that, that that's, that's, that's not easy to hear for people that feel that worship is all about how they feel. And uh, those of you that have been trying to live your sincerest for God, you know there's times that you're wondering, man, where is God? I'm worshiping him with pure heart and clean hands and man I don't hardly feel anything I, I don't understand what's going on and then a few weeks later you're just driving in the car haven't prayed haven't done anything praise God you still smell like onion rings hallelujah and all of a sudden the glory of God just ascends inside the car and you're wondering man where did this visitation come I'm just telling you there's times you got to let God choose the moment of visitation you got to you got to understand that God will sometimes amen push step back Amen. And allow you to exercise a little bit of faith. Praise God. But I, I want you to know that God diligently rewards them that seek him. Your seeking of God. Your praying. Your praising. Your worship. Amen. It is never in waste. It is never a waste of time. You, when we come to church, we don't spend time here. We invest time here. Praise God. And every time I sing. And every time I obey. And every time I amen. And every time I read. And every time I give. I am, I am, I am investing. Amen. In a visitation from God Almighty. I'm not just doing that stuff for when I get to heaven. I'm doing that stuff so that I might feel His presence here and now. Come on. 
Hallelujah. God said, I'm going to put the ark in the house of Obed-Edom, and I'm going to wait. I don't know how long it took. The Bible don't even tell us. But that ark sat inside that man's house. And all of a sudden, that man's house started getting blessed. Amen. The, I, don't, I don't know what that means, but praise God. Some, I don't know, maybe his front lawn just started growing vegetables. And, and praise God. And uh, just his house started looking mighty nice. And, and praise God. And door-to-door salesmen just came and gave him stuff. I, I don't know what it means, but somehow or another, amen, his house started getting blessed. And that took time. And David waited until Obed-Edom, the Levite, the priest, the guy who had the right to touch the ark, until he knew it was ready for it to come to Jerusalem. And when that happened, amen, hallelujah, it was going to be a slow, amen, process, amen, but it was going to be obedient-driven and passion-filled, praise God. It wasn't a fancy sports cart that was going to go get the ark, amen. It was going to come on God's terms, amen, hallelujah. The whole time that the ark was ascending up into Jerusalem on this second attempt, amen, they sacrificed. They made sacrifices. And I think it was every six steps they made sacrifices. Now, I want you to stop and think about this. On the first time around, they had put that thing in a cart with wheels and ox. That thing was moving fast. This time, it was moving slow. They had to carry that thing. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and assume that all the priests were, you know, Olympic lifters. Praise God. I'm sure some of them were, you know, had achy backs. Uh, You know, maybe they were up there in age. And they they themselves probably moved a little slow. And imagine, I mean, they had to stop every six steps. And uh, when they did stop, they began to make sacrifices. And... uh, If you don't know, uh, I I know we don't like to think about this, but the sacrifices that were committed uh, were were messy. They were done as humanely as possible, but there was blood. Uh, There was the sacrificing of animals. There was was animals screaming and kicking. And uh, those animals had to be tied down and held down. And uh, it was messy, but God loved it. Because it testified of the human Frailty, amen, that existed among all the people of God. The reason they sacrificed was to have their sins covered, to have their sins forgiven, amen. And so this time, although it moved slower, amen, it made sure that the people's sins were forgiven the whole way as they descended up into Jerusalem. And let me just tell you now, I know we don't congregate here as much as we used to, but when we do and when we get back to church, Uh, the way that we used to. Uh, I just want you to know I am committed to letting the service drag out as long as it has to. Amen. For someone to have their sins forgiven. We'll wait extra long for somebody to get baptized. We'll preach extra long on baptism. Praise God. And if somebody's at the altar praying, I'll ask everybody who feels like talking to step outside and do so. Praise God. Because there's nothing more precious. There's nothing more glorious. There's no sweeter sound in the eyes of, in the ears of God than sinners repenting. 
than saints of God getting things right. Praise God. Hallelujah. We want to sing. We want to dance. We want to shout. Amen. But we want to worship. And worship is not just the song. Amen. And worship is not just, amen, the tone and the tenor and the tempo and the volume at which we preach. And worship is not just running around the sanctuary. It's all those things too. But let me tell you what else worship is. Worship is when a sinner who knows he was created by God and God's image has strayed from God. And now he wants to make things right with God. Those things take time. Those things don't move fast. But praise God for a church that's ready to wait on God and give people the opportunity. Amen. To make things right with God. Worship's not about how we feel. Worship's about how God feels. The second time when they brought the Ark of the Covenant up, David took off his kingly robes and he danced alongside the people. There was no distinguishing him from everyone else. That day, the only king, the only king was the Lord. The only, you know, uh, praise God. It's going to get text, but here we go. You live for God long enough, you'll start dressing nicer. It's getting quiet already. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah, I remember how some of y'all came dressed first time. Praise God. Hallelujah. We, we watching. But you know, uh, when God blesses you, you just, you just start. You know, I'm going to go one step further. I don't know anybody that probably dresses up more than, than, than like Pentecostals. I mean, we come. In our graduation dresses. I mean, we, we just, we wear our suits. Not, nothing wrong with that. Wear your best. Wear your best. Wear your best. But when you get here, don't let your best stop you from giving God your best. Amen. Amen. Don't let the, the, the heels, don't let the tie, don't let the shirt, don't let the blouse, don't let anything stop you. Amen. From lifting your hands. And uh, praise God, if you can't worship God comfortably in what you're wearing, you might want to get some new gear. Praise God. Hallelujah. But whatever you do, realize that no matter how much God blesses me, amen, when I come to God's house, he is king. He deserves worship. He deserves praise. He don't have to earn it. He's the one that gave me these heels. Praise God. He's the one that blessed me with this suit. He's the one that has, amen, given me my house, my family, my mind, my spirit. Amen. He's the one that deserves my very best. And I'm going to wear my best and I'm going to give God my best. Praise God. I pray that no matter how pretty we come to church, I pray that no matter how well-groomed we come to church, we're not afraid to get messy before God. I pray that we, we, we never fear, amen, getting wild before the Lord. Praise God. I pray that we never let our hairdos, amen, get in the way, amen, of giving God what's due unto his name. Praise God. I pray in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, that we stay as apostolic as we can. I pray in the name of Jesus that we stay as Pentecostal as is possible. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody, let's praise him. Hallelujah. David took that kingly robe off, and I'm almost done. He started worshiping God. He said, the only king here is the Lord. The only king here is the Lord. You know, David decided, I'm going to go home and bless my wife. He had, uh, he had been dancing. David had been celebrating with the people. 
He said, you know what? It's time for me to go home and I'm going to take some of this home. Little did he know that his wife had been watching him. The Bible says that she had been watching him from the palace, from a window, from high up. And when David walked in the room to bless his wife, Michael, the Bible says that she started criticizing him. Not for dancing. That's not what bothered her. Not for shouting. Not for hand clapping. That's actually not what bothered her. What bothered her was that David took off the kingly robes. She had been raised by a king. She was a king's daughter. She was Saul's daughter. And in her eyes, there was just the way that royalty behaved at all times. There was a certain decorum and demeanor and composure that people were never to surrender. And in so many words, she let David know, your worship makes me feel uncomfortable. But David had already crossed that bridge. And David understood, I am a worshiper, not a worshiper. I'm not trying to please you. I'm not here to make sure that your sensibilities are not offended. I'm not here to make sure that you're okay with me rolling on the ground. I'm not here to make sure, amen, that you, uh, that, that my worship doesn't desecrate the family name. Praise God, according to your standard. Hallelujah. Amen. I, before I'm anything else, before I'm a king, before I'm a Johnson, before I'm a Gutierrez, whatever your last name is, I am a worshiper. Praise God. Amen. My wife may not like it, but I am a worshiper. My wife may think I need to calm down, but I am a worshiper. My husband may think I'm a little off the hook, but I am a worshiper. Praise God. I was created by God, not by my spouse. And so whether they worship or not, I'm going to worship. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize to my kids who get embarrassed when mom gives out the banshee yell. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's just the way mama gets down. Praise God. I'm not going to apologize to my sons. Amen. Hallelujah. For, for, for taking my tie off and sweating a little bit in the presence of God. That's just the way we roll in the house of the Lord. Praise God. We're living right and we're going to worship strong. Hallelujah. We're living right. We're walking right. Praise God. And we're going to lift our hands and we're going to shout. Praise God. We did it for the Raiders. We did it for the Niners. We did it for every other losing team that we worship. We're going to do it for Jesus. Hallelujah. We did it at the club. We did it at the bar. We're going to do it for Jesus. Hallelujah. We did it in the world. We're going to do it in the church. Hallelujah. We did it for less. We're going to do it for him who means so much more to us. Praise God. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship's not about how I feel. Worship's about how my worship makes God feel. And I'm just going to tell you this. When you focus on how worship makes you feel. I have been in church services. I'm telling you right now. I have been in church services where somebody really gets it. I mean, I'm talking about they get it. God just moves on them and they shake and they cry and they scream and, uh, and it just gets messy. It's not pretty. I'm just going to be honest with you. It is uncouth. Uh, it is not civilized. Uh, it is not dignified. Uh, it's definitely not religious, denominal. It's, it's, it's raw. It's raw. 
We start having to put jackets on people. We start having to move chairs. Praise God. Sometimes we got to go get buckets. <laughs> you ain't been in Pentecost if you don't know why the buckets break up. Praise God. We got to call the ushers, the usherettes. Praise God. It gets messy. Come on, somebody. You ain't been in church if you ain't seen it get messy. It gets messy. It gets messy. And I've seen all these things happen. And I've seen kids stare at their parents. I've seen spouses stare at their spouse. I've seen people absorb those eyes and those glares and those criticisms. And interpret them as a sign that they need to stop. I have, I have pastored more than one person that loved the presence of God. That loved the worship. That loved the spontaneous emotion and, and drive of a Pentecostal service. But was told by their family members, you need to stop going to that church. You can go to any church but that church. And they'll do it. And they'll comply. They'll comply to the criticisms. You know, the sixth chapter of 2 Samuel ends with these words. And Michael, David's wife, never had children. When you succumb to criticism, it results in barrenness. Critics are barren. Critics are fruitless. Critics never produce. Critics never bring forth. Don't. Number one, don't be a critic. Don't be a critic. You will never see me. And I, I don't care. And I've been, I hear other churches. Listen, I, I've seen stuff where I think to myself, you know, I don't really know why you're doing that. But I, I, I don't stop people. I, I, I will never, I will never, you will never hear me crack a joke about the way people worship. I just refuse to do that. You will never hear me or see me stop somebody from worshiping unless they're going to hurt themselves or someone else. Uh, I've been hurt in some worship services. Praise God. I got my eye poked out one time, but praise God I got it back. Uh, I mean, I've been there, but I'm just telling you, I, I, I'd, I'd rather have that than barrenness. I'd, I'd rather have that. Then, then you, you know, you realize, and I, and I know that many of you do, but, but I hope you realize that a move of God is not common. This is not happening at, 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 at Jack Frost's church down the street. Praise God. This is not happening at the first church of Frigid Air. Hallelujah. This stuff is not happening all across denominalism. Praise God. This, this move of God, this, this, this thing that everybody senses came into the room and that everybody surrenders to and that people dance before and that people shut. This thing produces fruit. It makes things come alive. It, it, it gives jobs. It, it makes tumors fall off. Praise God. It heals feet and arms and limbs. Praise God. It does wonderful things. It does wonderful things. And when we quench the spirit, the Bible says quench not the spirit. When you quench the spirit, 
Praise God. The only thing that comes as a result of that is fruitlessness and barrenness. Amen. You will stop producing the minute you stop worshiping. You will stop being blessed the minute you stop worshiping. You will stop abounding and being, amen, hallelujah, favored the minute you stop praising God with your very best. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to somebody. And when you start listening to critics, be they of your own household, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. People love to poke fun at Pentecostals. People love to make fun of Pentecost. They, they love it. I, I, I had a Bible study the other day, and um, nobody makes fun of Pentecostals better than backsliders. I had a Bible study the other day. This good, this good saint that God told me, he said, you know, I have a brother. He was in the Lord, and he left, he left church, and he told me the other day, he said, you people are crazy. He said, you fall on the ground. You fall on the ground and you roll on the ground. And I'm thinking to myself, he, 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 he attends another kind of a church now. and he, he thinks they preach it right there. I'm telling you, if they don't preach rolling on the ground, they ain't preaching it right. Because falling on your face is one of the most biblical things you could ever do. I read everywhere I read in my scripture. Amen. Be it in heaven or in earth, whether whether it's John the Revelator before the throne of God or whether it's the prophets here on earth. Amen. When the glory of the Lord began to fall, people fell with it. Praise God. People got on their faces. Hallelujah. People perceived people were perceived as crazy, as drunk. Hallelujah. People were perceived as out of control, inebriated, under the influence. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you ain't having that in your church, praise God, it's time to go to another church. I'm just gonna preach a plain. Hallelujah. It ain't that's just the way it is. Hallelujah. That's Bible, praise God. I'm not preaching nothing strange. Hallelujah. I can't I can't imagine why anybody, amen, would think it acceptable and, and appropriate, praise God, amen, to attend a church that muffles and that muzzles praise and worship. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you, you got to let that out. You, you, you. I'll never forget, I was preaching at a church. I'm almost done. <laughs> I was preaching at a church, and this girl, I had known her for years. She, every service, she'd just get up, and she'd start shaking and screaming. And, ah! and I remember a person came, came next to me, and they said, you see that girl right there? She's so uncivilized. What he didn't know that I knew was that this girl struggled with suicide. What he didn't know that I knew was that this girl's mom was abusive. What he didn't know that I knew was that this girl's life had been hard. And when she came to church, she had two options. Lose my mind out there or lose my mind in here. (laughs) Praise God. I can unravel at the feet of my trauma or I can unravel at the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. I can unravel before uh, entities, powers, and forces that will never help me. Praise God. Or I can unravel before the presence of God, who after I get up, amen, off the ground, after they have to peel me off the ground. And you know, the funny thing was, a lot of guys actually liked this girl. It was kind of funny. I, I watched this girl grow up. 
A lot, of, a lot of guys thought this girl was cute, but they didn't like her because she always got off the chain when the worship started going. Praise God. Hallelujah. And what she didn't know that I knew was that she was keeping all the losers at bay. Praise God. All the losers who thought they were worth dating, praise God, stayed away because they thought she cute, but she crazy. She wasn't crazy. Praise God. She was desperate for a move of God. She needed. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Let's worship Jesus here for a few minutes. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, if you have never lost your mind in church, praise God. I'm not, this is going on YouTube. Praise God. This is just not very kosher. Praise God. If you've never lost your mind in church, you just don't know what you're missing. It is a beautiful experience. I was just thinking yesterday, and I'm closing. I was just thinking yesterday. You know, when I first came to church, I wasn't sure if I got the Holy Ghost, Brother Hunko. Like, I just didn't know. You know, and, and the minute I prayed through, you know, the devil had told me, you didn't get it. You didn't get nothing. You made that up. You out there just making up languages. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just did not come from a religious family. So I just, and, and, and you know, the weird thing was when they, when they first talked to me about the Holy Ghost, I really wanted it. I, I really did. And, you know, I just thought, well, you know, talking to tongues is just imitating what the pastor's doing up there. So praise God. So, you know, I'd do that. <laughs> and uh, I'd always tell my pastor, man, I got the Holy Ghost. He'd be like, no, you didn't. <laughs> praise God. And uh, <laughs> praise God. He just knew, you know, because I was still cussing. <laughs> you get the Holy Ghost, you'll stop cussing. Hello, somebody. It's getting quiet. I hear the crickets on the web. You stop cussing when you when you... When you get the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And uh, so he knew I didn't have it. So I, I knew I didn't have it. So I fasted. I went on a three-day fast. I had never stopped eating for that long in my whole life. I, I, it was so impactful that to this day, I remember every, for whatever reason, every morning at like 4 a.m., I specifically dreamed of blueberry scones. It was just, <laughs> that's just... That's just how hard the hunger was hitting. It was just slapping different that day. And uh, in fact, I remember on the third day, I made it a point to go find a blueberry scone. <laughs> and I demolished that thing, praise God. And uh, don't ever break your fast on a blueberry scone. And, uh, <laughs> but I remember I went to a prayer meeting at a house. And I remember I got on my knees and I just, I opened my mouth to start praying. And when I went to speak English, I just started speaking in tongues. And even after that, the devil still kept telling me, you're making that up. That's not real. And so one year at youth convention in Bakersfield, California, I was at the altar. Praise God. I, in fact, I went with my wife. I didn't, we didn't even, we didn't, she didn't even know that uh, she liked me back then. Praise God. <laughs> and, uh. Praise God. I remember I went, I went with my wife and her family and uh, I was at the altar and I was praying and I started crying. And I remember in my mind, I knew that I was crying and I knew I was being touched, but I also knew I could go deeper. And I said to myself, God, I'm going to go deeper. I'm not just going to cry. 
I'm not just going to lift my hands halfway. I'm going to shoot my hands up higher. And I'm going to yell. And I'm going to get beside myself. Until this day, I could tell you what direction the presence of God came from. Praise God. It came from the upper left balcony. Hallelujah. I just remember I had my eyes closed and I could feel God's presence hit me so hard. Brother, the only reason I woke up 30 minutes later was because I could hear my teeth chattering, praise God, as I was speaking in other tongues. Hallelujah. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I'm just telling you, you need to refresh, renew. Praise God. You need to get a passion, amen, for worship, hallelujah, for living right, hallelujah, for praying through, amen, hallelujah, for obedience to the word of God, for getting more than just a cursory, superficial touch of Jesus, hallelujah. And those of you that have been living for God a long time now, those of you that have been raised in church, don't you let too many years go by until you speak in tongues again like you did the first time, hallelujah. And don't you let too many years go by, amen, without you having a good Holy Ghost hoedown, hallelujah. And don't you let too many years go by, amen, hallelujah, without you having an out of this world, out of, amen, hallelujah, out of your mind experience for Jesus, hallelujah. We believe that God is a living God, hallelujah. We believe that we ought to have a living fire-filled, hallelujah, experience with God. Musicians, come, praise God. Oh, let's praise the Lord. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Praise God. We are going to worship the Lord. I know there's not many of us here, and I know that those of you, you know, I, I'm going to say this. I, I, keep, I keep hearing this. I'm going to get in trouble for this one. I keep hearing this. You know, it's just not the same watching church at home. then don't just watch. <laughs> get involved. We got to get away from this mentality. Listen, there's no place like church. I preached it last week. There's no place like the house of God. There is nothing in this universe that can replace the corporate worship of the body of Jesus. Nothing. But having said all that, you can have an experience at home. Oh, I feel that so strong right now. You can have an experience at home. In fact, you ought to have experiences at home. Your home should be a sanctuary. You should have memories of God's presence in your house. There should be rooms and chunks of carpet and walls and you name it that reminds you of that time where God snuck up on you. Of that time when you woke up early to pray by your bedside and you weren't expecting it, but you needed it so bad. And the glory and the Shekinah of God touched you. Hallelujah. You ought, to, you ought to create moments like that in your house. You ought, to, you ought to thrive to do that, praise God, on Sunday mornings. That's why I tell folks, don't, don't sit at home in your pajamas watching this. Don't take this casually. Brush your hair, brush your teeth, get up. Hallelujah. Don't show up late to online service. <laughs> 
How are you showing up late to online service? And please, whatever you do, try to find the good in what we're doing right now. Because there's plenty of things to criticize. You can criticize the governor. You can criticize the pastor. You can criticize the YouTube channel. You can criticize the Instagram account. You can criticize, you can criticize pastor's tie, pastor's shirt, pastor's text, pastor's preaching. You can criticize the sound. You can criticize the musicians. You can criticize everything. But you're going to do so at the expense of being fruitless. And so there in your living room by yourself, in your suit, in your prom dress, worship But I don't want nobody to hear me sing. Let him hear you singing. I don't want to offend anybody's sensibilities. Go ahead and get offensive. Worship. But my kids will laugh. Let them laugh. My husband tells me to keep it down. Tell him to hold on. You'll get to him in a minute. And just give God your best. Lay hands on your sick husband. Lay hands on your sick wife. Lay hands on your sick kids. Anoint them with oil. Have a move of God in your house. Let's lift our hands right now. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the presence of Jesus here this morning. Oh God, we love you, Jesus. Come on, let's lift our voices. Let's lift our hands. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, I praise you.